After two sessions with the eminently enjoyable Doom Patrol, it was time for us to move on. This time, we were heading to Smallville, but not to see Superboy specifically, and not to see it in the 20th or 21st centuries either. We were off to meet the Legion of Superheroes. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. It's probably the first screw-up we've had in, like, years. Um, gosh, that's... Good thing that won't make it on <laughs> past the outtakes that we totally have. It, it would be um, entertaining to put a list of those together. And I think part of the reason is we, we haven't done anything like... There was a stretch where we were doing something funky with the uh, the intro every time. And I think we grew out of it a little bit. We, we did, and I think everyone's the better for it. Uh, <laughs> we, we're, not, we're not that funny. Um, and I, I don't think anyone else needs us working on our tight five when they're a captive audience, uh, which is a great segue. I was going to say, um, you know what else isn't funny? You know what else isn't funny? And you know what? I, I think I understand why. Um is the Legion of Superheroes, these first six-issue appearances that we have here. Now, to preface for you, think of the Legion of Superheroes appearances like the Mr. Mixius Pitlick experiences. They are not central characters at this moment, and they are, if anything, an oddity or an attraction to spice up a plot line. They are not the central focus of anything more or less just hey we are providing flavor for you to do something different for once i've written down that they're basically just red kryptonite yeah if you think yeah if you think of the legion of superheroes as a gimmick for an issue that is more what you're going to see here um i know there are there's a there is a contingent out there of legion of superhero fans who are very much fans of it the way that people are fans of the x-men and I applaud you. Um, we we have not gotten to the point where I would imagine you became a fan of Legion of Superheroes because this is nothing to be a fan of. Um, but hopefully we will at some point. Um, but in the meantime, we have about six issues uh, worth of appearances that are not really streamlined and that kind of jump around we have like one appearance one appearance per year in a variety of different magazines um from 1958 to 1961 so it's not like they had their own book like challengers of the unknown or anything like that um so joanne this might be a shorter episode which i think you're going to be happy about but it is worth saying that like this was weird, and we have also seen some of these stories in our other coverage. Mm-hmm. Due to covering Superman or covering Supergirl, we've seen some of these stories with Legion of Superheroes. However, some of these have to do with Superboy, which is the primary uh, vehicle for Legion of Superheroes stories. To my knowledge, is that they tend to pal around Superboy. So we have not done any Superboy coverage Um and that is going to be new, I think, to the the listener, because um, the amount of times we've done it has either been crossovers with Superman or something else. Yeah. Bef- before we leave this particular subject, I want to backtrack slightly. Just one thing that I think 
the the jump aroundness sort of illustrates. I think this is the first thing that we've covered where it wasn't an immediate hit. Mm. And and honestly, like I my understanding is it actually was like popular. Uh I haven't dug too deeply into that, but the fact that this when Supergirl was introduced, when Wonder Girl was introduced, we just consistently had the stories like, oh, it went from zero to we're going to tell like three stories in a row of uh, Supergirl uh, and then she'll get her own book. Uh, we even like Red Kryptonite, as soon as Red Kryptonite was introduced, I think we got a number of stories in fairly short order and we just that isn't what happens here. I don't know whether it's that they didn't decide to go all in on them just yet or if the writers just it wasn't quite enthusiastic enough or they had something else going on but it it says something that this is the first group we've covered that hasn't been like boom uh yeah. and especially the thing that's going through my brain is what if the JLA was like this what if we got this like slow rollout a slow and unimpressive rollout of the JLA i i don't know that it would change like the future of how people think of the JLA when it comes out, but it would certainly have shaped our coverage of it. It also would have changed, I think, the the dynamic of focus for comics publication because a lot of Marvel's decisions to create yeah. teams was based off of Justice League success. So if Justice League hmm. was not successful, we probably wouldn't have seen Fantastic Four, the Avengers, and the X-Men because if the Justice League wasn't successful, we probably wouldn't have seen the Metal Men um challenges of the unknown and uh the doom patrol You're which are all right. teams based off of the justice league's success or that seem to come after the justice league's initial uh placement so i imagine marvel who has better team dynamic books and more team dynamic books would have likely started to focus on individual characters more at the start of their company's life than they did initially. Because when I think of Marvel, I think of team books. I think yeah. of X-Men, I think of Fantastic Four, I think of the Avengers, I think of groups of individuals interacting with each other. When I think of DC, I think of solo character titles. Mm -hmm. So maybe Marvel would have had the same publication history as DC had Justice League not taken off. Um, and I think, I think you're right that this is not a success, but I also don't want to, I don't want to say that these characters were used as if they were being tried out for their own yeah. book because they don't show up in showcase presents, which is usually the testing ground for anything that they're going to back and push to the moon. So I, I look at the, the Legion of superheroes. Like I look at Lori Lamaris. Good call. These are side characters that happen to get a life of their own. It's like Jimmy getting his own book. The Legion <laughs> of superheroes is a spinoff book. You know, it's not like, Ooh, this is a team we thought of. How do we introduce them? We introduce them with Superboy. It's, oh, these people are popular, maybe we should give them their own book? Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's the mindset as opposed to, we had this idea, let's put them in Superman. Oh, it's not working. Let's keep putting them in here to see if it works. Eventually it got, it caught on and now we're, we're all in. So, uh, but it's, it is 
fair. Like I think both of our perspectives are are fair reads on this now, having seen so many books start up and end. Like, I mean, watching the start and end of Green Arrow was fascinating. Yeah, of just like how it never got better. It just kind of stayed the same forever and then died. Whereas Martian Manhunter never got good and in fact got worse, but is still around. Who knows what's going on in the 1960s editorial bullpen (laughs) of DC at this time, other than the people who were there at that time and Julius Schwartz and the decisions to make tons of mermaids. Um, But speaking of mermaids and weird people who show up a lot, we're going to start with Adventure Comics number 247, April 1958. I want to stress here that the authors for the stories alternate between Otto Binder and Jerry Siegel, two guys who consistently wrote Superman family books, which, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while at this point, are not the best books right now in the Silver Age. The storylines aren't great. They're kind of Saturday morning cartoon. They're nothing to be, they're nothing to write home about. So that off the bat should tell you that these aren't going to be grandiose like a green lantern storyline or like doom patrol or even as emotionally evocative as the metal men might be and every story that we cover is going to be part of a either three or at the very least two stories per issue structure so the yeah. the page count is crunched and these aren't i guess they're usually the uh Either the backup or the prime or featuring in the primary story, but yeah, like there's there's not a lot of real estate, not a lot of pages for them to work with. Yeah, these are these are twelve pages max, you know, and we're not getting a lot of time to to stretch our legs here. So, Adventure Comics number two forty seven, April nineteen fifty eight. Superboy is brought to the thirtieth century by three kids the same age as him uh, named Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, and Cosmic Boy. And they bring him to the 30th century to show him like, hey, you're a celebrity in the future. We really like you a lot. Our society on Earth likes you a lot. We also are members of a club called the Legion of Superheroes that is for teens. Um, We'd love for you to be a member. All you got to do is try out. And Superboy's like, gee whiz, that sounds great. So he tries out. They give him three tasks to do. Except while trying to complete each of these three super tasks, something is going wrong tangentially to the task and Superboy diverts from doing the task to save lives or to fix something or to right a wrong and fails the task. Now he's pitted against Lightning Lad, uh, Saturn Girl, and Cosmic Boy in these tasks, um, one for each, and they all kind of best him and mock him and they're kind of like, wow, like I can't believe you didn't do this. Maybe our history books are wrong. You're not so great. And Superboy kind of just like takes this and doesn't say anything because he's like, if I tell them I was doing something else, they're going to think I'm like making an excuse. So they tell him, you can't come into the Legion of Superheroes. And he's like, all right. And as he's about to leave, they go, all right, look, we were messing with you. You obviously can be a member. We set up those tangential weird side things to happen to see if you were actually a hero and you would prioritize saving people's lives instead of a BS tryout. Um, and because you did that, you're certainly a hero. We induct you into the Legion of Superheroes. Because he's a child and doesn't see that this is terrible manipulation and awful tryout tactics, Superboy's like, that was awesome, thanks. And agrees to be a member of the Legion of Superheroes and comes home to Smallville, Kansas and shows uh, Jonathan Kent uh, his father, hey, look, I'm a member of a future club. And his dad's like, I don't know what to do with this information, but great. Um, 
And that's kind of the end of the first experience that we have at the Legion of Superheroes. I'm going to go into the abilities of each of the members of the Legion of Superheroes as we go on because there's a lot of them and some of them are kind of one note. Others are like really interesting. Suffice it to say, though, um, the three major ones that seem to be the recurring characters are Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, and Cosmic Boy. Saturn Girl has telepathy. Lightning Lad has lightning control and projection powers. And Cosmic Boy has um, the good old comic mainstay power of magnetism, which is et al. So um, whatever you want magnetism to do. All right, uh, moving forward, we're going to go to Adventure Comics number 267, December 1959. Literally a year later and 20 issues later, we get the next appearance of the Legion of Superheroes. Superboy is imprisoned by the Legion of Superheroes after doing a bunch of good deeds, and they kind of give him the cold shoulder. Like, he's in Smallville in current contemporary times, and as he's doing these good deeds and kind of screwing up a little bit, a member of the Legion of Superheroes shows up, fixes what he's doing, or does it ahead of him, and gives him the cold shoulder, and he's very confused. And when he tries to talk to them about like why they're ignoring him, they arrest him, bring him to the 30th century, and they put him in a prison, and they go like made of kryptonite, and they go, Hey, um, we saw in our future television scope thing that you were gonna start committing a bunch of crimes, and so you're no longer a member of the Legion of Superheroes, you're a prisoner, and we're gonna hold you here. And he doesn't say anything. And it isn't until, like, I, I'm, it's really kind of, like, kind of roundabout, but they find out that he is doing these, like, he's destroying a, a U.S. military aircraft carrier. He's destroying a, an airbase. He's ripping up buildings. They find out he's doing it on secret government orders. And so they're like, oh, you, so you're not a criminal. You're just, a, like, a secret agent. Oops. We're bad. Our bad. Um, you're no longer a prisoner. Sorry, we thought you were a criminal. <laughs> I didn't quite get how they didn't look like a little bit backwards in time to look at him, to see him meet like the president and be like, hey, can you destroy a bunch of stuff on the sly for us? And him go like, yeah, sure, I'm, I'll, I'll do it, says 15-year-old Superman. And... Like, they just saw the end result and didn't go, like, what's the context for this? Let's maybe, like, go back, like, five days and see if we, we missed something. And they just made a snap judgment, which, again, they were, like, also 15. So that I guess that's what 15-year-olds would do if they had the ability to look into the past. And you could do interesting things with that. Uh, like, communication issues are interesting story points. Uh, one of my favorite things is describing Halo 5 as the a game a, a story about a conversation that ultimately doesn't happen by the because by the time it could happen everybody's already like so entrenched that it can't there that no one's going to change their mind but that's not what any of this is doing these are just why is batman like leaving robin at home in the bat cave and not let and looking for a new uh bat partner it it really is just uh communication failures for the for the purpose of plot. Yeah. It's we suck at talking because of reasons. Yep. Um so action comics number two sixty seven. We've now jumped from adventure comics to action comics number two sixty seven on August nineteen sixty, a year later. Um it's now a supergirl story. Supergirl meets the children of the Legion of Superheroes, basically the descendants of the ones that met Superboy, who have the exact same powers, Lightning Lad. Cosmic Boy and uh, Saturn Girl, 
and they bring her to the 30th century. They show her the new Legion of Superheroes and the new roster, and they invite her to try out. Now, what's interesting here is that she succeeds, except during her incredible feat, which is making a tunnel from one end of the earth to the other to make like a really good pneumatic tube transport system for people for free. She gets um, in the path of some red kryptonite and it causes her to age to like the age of 20. And according to Legion of Superhero bylaws, anyone over the age of 18 cannot be a member of the Legion of Superheroes. So she just doesn't get inducted, even though everybody knows that red kryptonite wears off eventually. Yeah. And so she goes home and kind of is sad about not being a member of the Legion of Superheroes. And that's the end of the story. It's, yeah, it, it is the most manufactured. Well, manufactured isn't even the right word. The refusal to let the status quo change and not putting much effort into explaining why yeah it's i also don't know why these aren't the same lightning lad cosmic girl and um yeah or saturn girl and cosmic boy because it's it's time travel you can all be the same but i guess because superman's grown up they believe like time is time is a fixed position where like if superman grows up the future people are growing oh. up at the same time i don't oh. know the I don't. the one that kills me is uh when I think it's the, I think it's the second uh, one. The one where uh, Superboy is like traveling to the future and seeing all of the, oh wow, everybody remembers me as this great hero. They're remembering Superboy as this mm -hmm. great hero. And it's like, there's Superman comics coming out right now. He is the bigger hero. There is no question on that one. But okay. You're just you're just gonna lean into the Superboy aspect. All right, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, um, great literature. These are not. Um, <laughs> yeah. So from Action Comics, we're gonna jump to Superboy number eighty-six, January nineteen sixty-one. Again, a year later, um, Lightning Lad shows up to help Superboy destroy a machine that Lex Luthor has created God, and is using it. to complete to to fight Superboy, and um, even. Even that isn't really the solution to the situation. So effectively, Lex Luthor makes a machine that allows him to manipulate things with his mind. He manipulates a meteor filled with kryptonite to fight Superboy and turns like kryptonite debris into monsters. And as they're fighting young Lex Luthor in his lab in Smallville and Superboy in space fighting these kryptonite monsters, Lana Lang sneaks into Lex Luthor's laboratory, hits a switch... And turns off the machine so that Superboy can get free. Superboy then flies back to Earth to Smallville and shows up with Lightning Lad from the Legion of Superheroes. And Lightning Lad destroys the device that Luthor has made. And they kind of explain that like, oh, um, the Legion was watching me in the future and they decided to send someone back to give me a hand. It is the, it is the worst of all of these appearances. And there's a word balloon about, oh, it didn't change fate because it, the meteor would have blown up anyway. And at that right. point, it's just, what what is the point of any of this? Yeah, you never even established that there were rules about changing fate at all in any of these appearances. Why are we concerned about that for the first time ever? Like, yep. none of this matters. It, so it was it is it is the worst because it's just tacked on 
as opposed like this could have been a perfectly fine superboy comic without the legion of superhero meddling yes 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 uh the for those who are dragon ball fans that there were two separate comparisons i drew this this isn't a future trunk situation this is the little short time skip power time reverse power that Whis has at the end of resurrection f where it's just there's no justification it comes out of nowhere there is no more dramatic tension anymore because it's not like he was it, it is barely established that like they were looking into the past in theory they could have been looking into the past at any time or just like have the roster of here are the times i should intervene and then it completely undoes itself by saying but it would have happened anyways i hate this story i loathe yeah. this story it's it is dumb um moving on to adventure comics number 282 march 1961 this is a uh, this is one of my least favorite not worse than the last one, but still pretty bad, purely because this is a trope that I hate because it reinforces negative stereotypes between gender roles. Um, Lana Lang tries to make Superboy jealous to get Superboy to confess his feelings for her by dating Starboy, who is a member of the Legion of Superheroes. But it backfires on her and she becomes jealous of Superboy. Now... There's a couple things in this that I don't like. Chief among them is Lana Lang overhears that Starboy explains to Superman or to Superboy, hey, I have a secret identity just like you. I'd appreciate it if we kept it hush hush now that I've confided in you my secret. Let's help each other catch these criminals. And Superboy's like, you got it, dude, and disappears. Lana hears that and goes, ah, if I pretend to know his secret identity, I can get him to pretend to be my boyfriend under threat of exp- of letting out his secret identity. 16-year-old Lana Lang blackmails a superhero for a date. So she goes up to Starboy, tells him, pretend to be my boyfriend or else. He is clearly uncomfortable. Yep. Like... He is stuttering in every single word balloon. He is not okay with this. He's very confused and he's not happy. Every time we see him, he doesn't go like, oh yeah, sure, it'll be fun. And then immediately get chummy with her and like pretend really to be in love with her. You can tell he is incredibly uncomfortable every time. Superboy sees this and he's like, something's up. But I'll play along with it because this is stupid. I think he hears with super hearing Lana explain the plan to super to Starboy, and he's that like, "Okay, right. I see what's going up." Um, and so he goes back with them to the future, and Lana is making Starboy kind of show her around, and give her gifts, and make her things to make Superboy jealous. And Superboy's like, "I have an idea." He finds some other girl. Um, Because Lana Lana goes like, why would he want women from the 30th century when I'm so unique and exotic to him because I'm from Earth and obviously he's going to want me because I'm different. And Superboy's like, you know what? You're right, Lana. I think one of the women from this planet is just as unique and exotic. So I'm going to go out and date her. And Lana's like, wait a minute. That's not what I wanted you to do. And so Superboy starts to pal around with this very nice girl and they start to have a lovely time. And Lana immediately gets jealous gets mad at Superboy and explains like you were supposed to get mad you were supposed to you know confess your love to me 
be all up in my business. And Superboy's like, yeah, I know that's what you want to do. So I made you mad because this wasn't cool. And she's like, then who's this girl? And he goes, this is this is Starboy's girlfriend. And Lana goes, oh. And Starboy's like, yeah, I'm dating someone. This is my girlfriend. And when she heard what you were doing, she was pretty on board to like make you look like an idiot. And Lana then goes back to Earth with Superboy. And then he like says, all right, cool. This was weird. I have stuff to do. And disappears. And she's left alone going like, oh, ho-hum. I wish he'd love me. And I'm like, this was so uncomfortable. For so many reasons. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm i going to say something uncomfortable. I, The rest of these stories had so little personality that I was kind of glad for even this little bit. Uh, at least Lana Lang has ha- has a motivation and acts on it. At Starboy is the only Starboy and uh, secret character who we haven't mentioned yet, uh, who shows up later on, are the only two uh, Legion of Superhero characters with any actual personality, and it's because he is so uncomfortable that. I- as much as I hate to say it, for me, it was a breath of fresh air and it wasn't worse than neutral, but it is reprehensible and bad. And there's just no attempt to reconcile with any of that. But to some degree, that's this kind this kind of story in the Silver Age is just, no, we're just going to gloss over all the things. We're not going to pay any thought to it because it's just for the uh, purpose of plot. Right. The... The uniqueness of how bad it was made it stand out. Yeah. It was a novelty. It also just goes to show you that 60s era comics had some incredibly bad gender politics. Yep. In the concepts of women are jealous, manipulative creatures. This is what they're going to do to get the attention of the man that they love. Whereas the men who have secret identities will gaslight their paramour into believing that everything is okay and that they aren't seeing what they think that they're seeing. Yeah. Like the best examples are, is Barry Allen. Barry Allen gaslit Iris, who was like, I'm tired of you showing up to shit late. I'm, I'm through. We're done. We're not engaged anymore. Barry then used his super speed to be everywhere that Iris was and to make her think that she was hallucinating seeing him so that she would come to the conclusion that she missed him and then came back to him. Everything Superman does with Lois Lane is gaslighting her into believing that Clark Kent and Superman are two different people. Yeah. The the one thing I'll put out there is there is absolutely some gender politics at play. They... They do also do this with uh, the with the rare female superhero and male. Uh, well, if nothing else, there, there are times when male characters are shown as being the ones trying to induce jealousy, uh, not just right. like in response, like Superboy. But I'm thinking, I, I think Reno did it and uh, Captain Trevor. But I mean, there is no question of where where they lean on it more. I will say, I don't think they did it intentionally to make her jealous. Wonder Woman got jealous by proxy. Steve Trevor was like, well, if you're not going to give me the time of day, I'm going to go date this other girl. And then Wonder Woman got insanely jealous. Maybe I'm misremembering. And that's the thing is that I don't recall either of them choosing to date someone else for the purpose of making her jealous. I, I could be wrong. 
and we could go back on our coverage. I, you know, and if you, and if we're gonna say that it did happen, one hundred percent, I bet it was Steve. Yeah, because Steve would do that, whereas that because he's a manipulative person versus Reno was hanging out with a different mer- with a different girl who was just hanging out with him. And that by proxy made Wonder Girl jealous. Cause he even huh. explains, I have no romantic interest in her. I forgot. About She's that. just cool. And she wants to hang out with me and you don't want to hang out with me. So I'm going to oh, hang out yeah, with her. Oh yeah. 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 The one who uh, was capturing him in the glass cage, right? Right. He's like, I'm just going to hang out with her because she wants to hang out with me. And you don't want to hang out with me. Yeah, like, I I guess this says something. Like, I half remember something about, like, uh, a mermaid under the sea, but half remember, not full. Right, well, (laughs) right. And that was, that was not, like, that's not a common story. But the end result is always the female character is the jealous one. Yeah, you're right. Because when that happens, yeah, you're right. Wonder, like Wonder Woman, never becomes, never does, never does what Superboy did here, which was, I see what he's doing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this around on him. Yeah, she goes, you're right. She goes, oh, I don't like this. Suddenly, the option that I was keeping on the back burner is no longer available. I'm upset. <laughs> yeah. Versus Steve Trevor, even if he's being a scumbag, it works. The Wonder Woman becomes jealous. Yep. 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 Whereas whereas the way that men fight for the woman is by beating the shit out of each other and trying to one-up each other over machismo. They confront the opposing paramour. Yeah. Yep. Because if, right. if you look at, like, um, Carol Ferris, Lois Lane, Lana Lang... In in all of these situations, all of them have tried elaborate things to get the man that they love to notice them, even blackmail. Mm-hmm. And that is all different writers. So, I, I you know, and I will say, I don't think you're wrong that there has been a man who has tried to make the woman jealous. I, I'm sure Superman has tried to do that, and I'm sure um, Steve Trevor has tried to do that. The amount of times that that happens is fewer and far between. Yeah, than full agreement women. there. Um, so I will say that you're probably right and I probably just don't remember it, but I would say it is nine times out of 10, the woman that does that, which is gross gender politics. Yep. There is, Um, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities to the way that, especially these writers, I think the fact that everything is so sizzle and not substance means that it's easy to do the, the top level impression of, Oh, this is. This is what women do as compared to at least there's there's some hmm, I feel like if nothing else, Carol and Iris get a little bit more in their interiority of how they deal with uh, the the men in their life. Whereas here it's just all all sizzle, no substance. I will say Iris, Iris's whole thing is she's just tired of Barry's shit. Yeah, which fair (laughs) Is, is. Yeah, it's entirely fair. She's the most understandable. Mm-hmm. And she's the most abused by Barry in that sense because she has a legitimate gripe. <laughs> you know, it's not because Barry and her are in a relationship. It's not like they're not. And therefore, she's pining after non-returned affection and unrequited love. They're engaged. All of her grievances have legs. So Barry manipulates her into not leaving. 
that's what's sinister about that aspect. Um, and speaking of sinister, <laughs> Action Comics number 276, May 1961. I promise there will be a segue here. Um, this is the last issue that we're going to cover. Supergirl makes friends with some more Legion of Superhero Girls and tries out for the Legion once again um, some what is it like a year later than her her first initial tryout Mm -hmm. um tries out again for the legion of superheroes and this time meets the descendant of a very sinister see i did it um superman villain brainiac she meets a guy named brainiac five who is apparently a great 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 grandson of the villain brainiac who is a good guy and a member of the legion of superheroes she does her tryout. She succeeds. She is now a member of the Legion of Superheroes. And Brainiac 5 confesses that he has feelings for her and asks her to stay in the 30th century to be his girlfriend. Um, she declines because she's like, I got to go home and like take care of a bunch of shit. I can't just today move and goes home back to um, the orphanage to be Linda Lee. This is before she was um, living with her adopted parents. Uh, and now she has... Dick Malvern, Jero the Mermaid, and Brainiac 5 as her love interests at that point in Supergirl comics. Which, I again, I believe we covered the story in our Supergirl coverage. I'm sure we did. I'm pretty so sure, yeah. if you really want us to go back over that, go listen to our Supergirl coverage. Um, so a big thing that I wanted to do here was go over the list of Legion of Superhero characters that we have met up to this point. We didn't mention every time a new one got introduced because it's some of them are just like, hi, I'm so-and-so, this is what I do, and then they're gone and they never show up again. So it's not really worth pointing out when she meets some of these people because it's literally a one-panel moment. Um, but the roster as far as we know at this moment is Cosmic Boy who can do magnetism things, which is whatever they want it to be. Lightning Lad, who has lightning control and projection. Saturn Girl, who has telepathy. Chameleon Boy, who can camouflage himself. Colossal Boy, who has growth powers, um, who can grow giant. Uh, Invisible Kid, who can turn invisible. Phantom Girl has intangibility. Triplicate Girl, she can multiply herself so that there's three of herself, so I guess she makes two different... uh, mirror images or multiples of herself sun boy who has super radiance he just radiates light really powerfully bouncing boy who inflates to the size of a ball or makes himself really round and bounces around shrinking violet she can shrink brainiac five has super intelligence and star boy has flight super strength super cooling breath like superman and infrared vision which kind of is superman's x-ray vision but the infrared vision can also do heat powers so that's 13 characters. I will say the one with the best name is Shrinking Violet. Yeah. Because it's not an obvious, like, um, adjective gender name. Like, Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, like, noun gender or whatever. And um, I like that her name is just different. <laughs> her and Brainiac 5 have the best names, and Brainiac 5 is just literally his name. Um Shrinking Violet is a little bit of like a Dick Tracy villainess. Yeah, that is very Golden Age. That's a Golden Age villain. Oh, um, you're right. Oh, you're right. It's the Shrinking Violet. And she's like a thief who can shrink. Whatever. I Again, DC, pay me money. I will do things like that for you in like two seconds. Um, so that's the Legion of Superheroes as it stands. Obviously, Legion of Superheroes gets super, super big. Um, and the roster gets really bloated, much like the X-Men. 
but for right now it's these 13 kids we haven't seen them all in the same room but we've seen mm-hmm. quite a lot of them kind of around each other and doing stuff um the only ones that we really know anything about and by anything about i mean that have the most talking time are cosmic boy saturn girl lightning lad and Starboy and brainiac 5 um the rest of them again like i said just kind of show up as uh sideshow freaks and they go like hey check out chameleon boy look what he can do this is bouncing boy he bounces around you know like that's really all that ever happens none of them actually do anything in the story or get to do anything more than the the five that i mentioned um so for all intents and purposes they're they're props we we stand here with a number of of flat characters Mm -hmm. and a number of um effectively non-player characters npcs who are used to set up something that has no legs because the way that these other characters are introduced is very much like the other green lanterns in green lantern comics yeah hey look at these guys who also have power rings um we don't really get to know anything about them they just exist um and even the ones that we do get to know anything about, like Tomar Ray, shallow at best. We just know that he's a Green Lantern. Um, we don't know anything about them as individuals. We just know that like Saturn Boy, Lightning or Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, and Cosmic Boy appear to be the triumvirate at the head of Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. um, descendants of or the originals. All seem to be the three that are in in charge. Everyone else is just kind of there. Um, we've not seen them do superhero stuff. The only time we've seen them do superhero things is challenging Superboy in the first appearance oh God, to do right. some stuff. And they show that they have really cool powers and they stop like tragedies or they do cool super feats. And the second time they show up when they stop the incidents from occurring or the stop the incidents before Superboy does and then they give him the cold shoulder and then they arrest him. Every other appearance is just, hey, we have powers. Do you want to be part of our superhero club? And then we never see them superhero. Huh. So either... I had not thought of that. It's very strange because it's kind of just like, are you just a club for people with powers? Because that's fine too. But we have like rare, like the only one who kind of superheroes is Starboy, who travels back in time to be with Superboy and say, hey, mm-hmm. one of the criminals I'm chasing time traveled back to Smallville. And I'd like your help because he um, is like he's in like a lead lined thing. And I know you can't look in lead line stuff, but my bad guy on my home planet in the future is in a copper thing and I can't look through copper. So do you want to help me out? And Superboy's like, yeah, sure. Other than that, they all just seem to be hanging around. And there's an other, and there's an extra piece of that that makes it even less compelling because if you take away the, if you take away the superhero part, if they're not doing superheroics, you're left with the Legion, and the Legion is not. It doesn't look big. Like, we talked about how we don't see everyone on one page. Like, my dominant idea coming into this of what the Legion of Superheroes was, was, like, the 300 or so people. Like, this is 
a big group. It is a large organization. That That is the thing that I know about it in the same way that like the Justice League is generally relatively small. But you, you think about, oh, like when all the leaguers are called up, when you have the like end of a story arc, the big fight and everybody shows up just uh, the call goes out. It's big and you don't get a sense any sense of the institution of the legion of superheroes aside from, oh, they got like clubhouse rules and that's about the extent of it. Yeah. And again, this is six appearances mm-hmm. wherein they are, they are a novelty. We haven't strayed farther than the six issues we read for coverage. So it's entirely possible that they get built out more. But from what we're seeing, why would you? <laughs> like, again, they're they're as influential as Mr. Mixius Pitlick. And even then, he's just a villain that's annoying. So I don't see a reason to build these characters out unless we start seeing plots where it's like hey superboy we need you to come to the future to help us because we can't solve an issue and you're the greatest super teen show us how to do it and like that's what i expected Mm -hmm. and to have these like they're effectively just doing what queen queen hippolyta does hey i saw a thing on my fancy tv can you go handle it yeah sure why don't you do it well i don't know (laughs) <laughs> like there's there's no excuse, there's no reason given why Starboy doesn't bring other members of the Legion with him. Yeah. There he and he just goes back in time to Superboy. And that's not a a thing that we get a lot from this era of uh Weisinger? More Weisingers? Uh, I think that's uh, name. Otto Binder and and Siegel. Uh I'm specifically thinking of the editor who they uh work under. Uh I think Weisinger was the editor, you're right. Yeah. Uh his stuff doesn't do this much. Like it, we do occasionally get characters who get introduced in, like Supergirl, but by and large, they're not really fleshing out the world of Superboy and Supergirl as far as I can remember. So I I bet we get like little tiny bits, but I bet it's not like a thing that they lean into and focus on. I think I I would bet we get some of it organically, just little pieces that pop up, but I bet it takes a change of writer or editor to really get it going. I I bet it's like 67, 68 before we start feeling like, Oh, Oh, this is why people like it. Yeah. And who knows? Um, because it could take a while. <laughs> I know they were talking about reviving Legion of Superheroes recently, I think. And I don't know what happened with that. I remember seeing preview um, art by like Doc Shaner. Uh, looks like, okay, so it looks like there was a, a new Legion of Superheroes ser- series from Brian Michael Bendis and Ryan Sook uh, announced in 2019. Uh, ongoing series date... <laughs> Ongoing series debuted in November 2019, and the series ended after 12 issues. Yeah, great. Awesome. Yeah. There is a cartoon and a couple, like, it looks like a movie or two. But, yeah, like, that was my recollection. was, like, wasn't there going to be, like, a new Legion of Superheroes? 
And then they're like, eh, 12 issues. <laughs> Which, boy, howdy, if Brian Michael Bendis, as hot as he is in the industry, you know, quality notwithstanding about his work, <laughs> um, can't make your story have legs. Your story about a bunch of teens. Like, that's what he's famous for. Yeah. That's not, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, encouraging. Yeah. Um, On the plus side, like, looks, looking through uh, the publication yeah. history uh, in the Silver Age, it, it sounds like some stuff does start happening in, like, 62. So, might be I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. Oh, God. I'm looking at the... Uh, Ooh, the five years later Legion of Superhero stories. Boy, howdy, that's some 90s um, art. Uh, um, yep. That is some feathered Liefeld hair. Anyway, um, <laughs> disgusting. <Yep. laughs> uh, anyway, that's that's all I really have. I know I know, I know. know we kind of talked about some of the stuff that you probably have, but is there anything we haven't covered that you, you want to go over? Let's see. There's one correction that I want to make, uh, and I... I wouldn't make it except for the fact that I think it illustrates the point that you were making uh, when covering this. So story number one, there's the bit about, there's the hazing of, oh, we wanted to, uh, we put you through these things. It was about proving he's a good sport, not proving that he's a hero. So it's just even stupider, even worse. You're right. Oh, God, that is dumber. Yep. Jesus. It's just entirely... You've heard me complain about secret kept from the reader stories where it's just, why are they doing this? Oh, here's the twist. It's just for that. Hey, everybody. Hazing is dumb. Yep. Hazing's dumb. Don't do it. Like, I can't. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I, I get it. But, man, there are so many better ways to... You can build solidarity through mutual suffering that isn't, like, masochistic and sadistic. You can just all go on a long run together. Yeah, you don't have to abuse the new guy. Yep. You can you can force them to do something that you've all done and do it with him so that he understands or they understand the, you know, what they're getting into. You don't have to straight up abuse them. Especially, God, this is the bit that kills me. They've got time travel. They could say, okay, the, the test is we go to some of the hardest fights in history and we win them together. And if you can't do that, you're not ready. God, you could just do that. Oh, yeah. that makes me sad. Uh, <laughs> the Legion's Clubhouse looks weird. Wikipedia says it looks like a yellow rocket ship driven nose first into the ground, which, yes, that is accurate. Yeah. And I don't... There's no explanation for it. None. <laughs> nope. Let's see. Uh, yeah, the other character who I thought... <laughs> the other character who I... Uh, uh, not lampshaded. Who I uh, foreshadowed uh, being having other uh, personality is Brainiac. Uh, just because, hey, inverse Brainiac. Good Brainiac. I like that. And I, I hope more comes of it. It's so surface level here. They're not doing anything with it in that story. It's just, oh, well, she Supergirl doubts that a Brainiac could be good. Oh, turns out he is. Yay. Yeah, I believe Brainiac 5 becomes a fairly central member of the team. Good. Okay, so I'm going to plus and minus this thing. Uh, a lot of these stories, especially the ones framed with... Uh, 
with the core three are one by one stories where it's, oh, this thing happens and this thing happens and this thing happens. And they're all like the same thing happening in different permutations. Why are these three different people like showing me up? Oh, and then, and then, and you do that for like three pages or whatever. Uh, and then, oh, and here's the explanation. I, I don't like those. The one, <laughs> and you've heard me complain about them. On the other hand, it is kind of cool that when uh, Supergirl has her first run in with the uh, Legion, it is intentionally mirroring the structure of, wow, like there are these people who just know my secret identity and they're they just look they look like normal people but they do something super powerful and then they're like hey hey supergirl yeah i know who you are uh and it, it it's kind of cool they reuse the structure and they're uh sort of calling back but it's not anything special it's but it it is one nice little thing that i will sort of latch on to in the same way that i like stories that are like that that ha- or like panels that are the uh the moving faster 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 kind of thing I, I like these mm-hmm. this this kind of thing this kind of mo- motif I guess uh, I like it can be done well yes but it oftentimes isn't yes <laughs> speaking of things that are not executed well uh, in the in the Brainiac story or the good Brainiac story when when Supergirl actually does become a member of the League of the Legion there's just the last page and a half is about her being or like talking through and experimenting with, wow, I'm not vulnerable to green kryptonite anymore because good Brainiac, Brainiac five gave me this like cool, like shield belt. Uh, and it really is like a page and a half of her. Like I'm going to find some green kryptonite. Wow. It's not affecting me. I'll take it and dispose of it. Cool. Oh no. The shield thing is destroyed now. And that's just the end of the, it, of the story it's a page and a half that has absolutely no point it doesn't add anything and it oh boy i didn't didn't like that yeah <laughs> like the, it, it's a it's a status quo remover y- yeah and and you didn't need it because the the only reason to have that is because she has the thing in the future because the real like point of that story is hey like Brainiac 5 is actually a good guy. Suspicion and the tension builds with suspicion and it's released as he continually like is a hero and saves her. And then he gives her this belt uh, to help save her. And you didn't need a page and a half for it. It's a page and a half of denouement that is just utterly pointless. You don't need it. Don't do it. Yep. All right. And that's what I have to say. I I kind of wondered as we were about to start, as I was about to start reading the comics, whether whether it was going to be able to live up to what we had been reading for the last little while, and it couldn't. And I'm annoyed. Yeah, I was I was not surprised that this was this, that this fell short um, in the way that it did. Um, I think yeah, the the bit where Brainiac Five gives her the shield belt to protect her from uh, green kryptonite as a token of his affection was like, cool. That's never going to stick around because obviously <laughs> not. Yep. All right. I think we're going to move on to recommendations. Yes. Yeah, I think so. What do you got? All right. Um, I just finished a game uh, from Devolver Digital uh, developed by a smaller, uh, published by Devolver Digital developed by a smaller team 
called Ape Out. Hmm? Um, I feel like I you play that a, name. You play a gorilla getting out of captivity. And it's really fun. It's 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 top down like most famous Devolver digital games are. Um, so think Hotline Miami, but you play a giant gorilla and your only weapon is beating people up or grabbing them. And um, your goal is to just move from one end of the map to the other to escape. And eventually you do. It's a very short game. I beat it in like under an hour. Um, but it is meant for fast Twitch play experience, much like Hotline Miami is. The best part, though, is it is set to a jazz soundtrack. Oh. And every time you kill somebody, a snare hits. <laughs> so you're adding to the music. Nice. And that's really fun. And it's a re- and it's all block colors. Like, the gorilla is yellow. The ground is black. The walls are, like, gray. And the bad guys are white. And everything's one single color. And it's really cool because these kind of like help give you this like really minimalist concept of how the how the game looks and feels and it's just very bare bones and that works and the music is really good and, very, and it gets you really hyped. It's a really good game. It's on Steam and Xbox, I believe. I don't know if it's on PlayStation, um, but it's called Ape Out. A P E space O U T. I bought the vinyl, oh. of the soundtrack because I liked it so much. Nice. Um, so I would definitely give that a try if you want there's like extra like it's a short campaign it's four chapters with eight missions in each chapter mm-hmm. and um there but there's also like time trials and like how long like how many floors can you survive kind of a thing so there's like more gameplay than beyond just those like 32 really short levels um like you can complete one level in like 15 seconds because if you dodge and avoid all the bad guys you can go from one end of the map to the other and so it's like, okay, yeah, this can be a quick game. Um, so it's really fun. I suggest you buy it. It's a good game. Support more non-traditional AAA games because they're fun. Nice. I think I'm going to recommend... Um, let me look up the name of this guy, but uh, I think it's... Co- I think what it wound up getting called as an aggregate was the Uplift Trilogy. Let me double check that. Okay, the up, the Uplift Universe, I guess. Uh, and yeah, uh, the Uplift Trilogy uh, by David Brin. So it is 80s sci-fi uh, specifically focused around the concept of uplifting uh, animals. So taking, in this case, taking uh, specifically like dolphins and chimps uh and technologically advancing them into oh they're they're uh, sapient sapient is the correct word uh, and so it, it is interesting stuff with that i enjoy having characters who are uh it, it plays a little bit in that like 80s like when i say racial essentialism i'm specifically referring to like how uh like elf racial essentialism rather than necessarily like uh human races although we all know that's what these are a stand-in for is still dealing in that same kind of oh certain these people are like this kind of uh storytelling but it's it's i enjoy that kind of world it's an interesting setup for a world too because the i mean sci-fi it is 
specifically, oh, alien humans make contact with aliens. They're like, wait, you guys weren't uplifted by like an ancient like progenitor race or something? Because the whole galactic structure is, okay, there, there were the progenitors all the way back, and they uplifted a bunch of species, and then those patron species uplifted their own uh, client species, and there's this not quite feudal, but not far from it structure of uh, people owing fealty for 100,000 years uh, to their patron species, and then they're like, wait, humans? You, oh, well, you guys are you guys are weird. You guys weren't uplifted by anybody, and oh, and you've got like client species because you've already started uplifting uh, dolphins and chimps. I guess we have to treat you with respect, and that hmm. that dynamic is just interesting to me. Uh, that tension, and there's a lot in there of different kinds of people at the center of things because it's centering these uh, uplifted species. It, they're not great, but they're enjoyable. All right. Those are always like the politics behind some of those are always so hard because you're like, oh man, is this going to cross into something really uncomfortable? Yeah. I mean, I genuinely don't know if I could read like an 80s RPG source book where like. I mean, Shadowrun, I genuinely don't know how well it would, whether it avoids, like, <laughs> hey, orcs are black people. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops. Cyberpunk's yep. racist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Oopsie doodles. The um, art of the day reflects right. the tensions of the day. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to read some more Legion of Superheroes for next episode. We're going to try and probably power through this, and it shouldn't be that hard because obviously these are quick reads. Yeah. Um, but thank you all for listening. We hope you have a lovely rest of your day, and we'll see you all next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our first outing with the Legion had not gone well. We'd already seen how disappointing super family stories were in this age, and the Legion inherited all of that baggage with the added burden of being the supporting cast of their own stories. Our good times with the Doom Patrol were over. Our time with the Legion of Superheroes had, unfortunately, only just begun. <laughs>